0: Hi there, and welcome to the 2020 edition of the UAE Tech Podcast, a series of discussions on how technology is reshaping governance and economics in the United Arab Emirates. From our offices in Media City, Dubai, I'm John Lillywhite with Albo Abba Business.
1: Uh, So I was sort of generation 2.5 when I entered the business. And uh, my, my background was working in a company um, in Hong Kong that was actually selling a lot of this equipment uh, in, in those days. And I was in a company that was an angel investor in a 3D printing startup, um, which we went on to represent about 10 years later uh, in, in the UAE. Um, and it, 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 it also sort of came from there because we then looked at the opportunities and Uh, When we got into 3D printing, we started that about 2012. Uh, The UAE was not a natural market for 3D printing uh, supplies. Uh, The big thing we saw was where were 3D printers selling in other parts of the world? They were going into manufacturing. They were going into where people needed prototyping, uh, where there was a lot of design work happening, where there was an automotive sector, a defense sector. and we just didn't have any of that in our region. So we, we looked at it and said, so how do we create a market? And, and we then identified a few segments early on uh, that were there. And the biggest of them was education. And, and that's actually what we sat and focused on and what's our primary market even today.
0: A couple of years ago, there was a big buzz around 3D printing. Many tech analysts suggested a future in which we'd all be print publishing the consumer items we needed in our homes. Well, that hasn't happened yet. It's even possible that 3D printing on the consumer end of the spectrum will remain a niche skill set favoured by designers, engineers, or inventors. But the wider industrial implications of 3D printing are emerging fast. Right now, students across the UAE are learning the process, software, and techniques necessary to operate a 3D printer. Beyond education, architects and defence firms have long been exploring the technology. Over the past decade, one electronics store in particular has played a key role in importing 3D printing technology to the UAE. For veterans of Dubai, Jackie's electronics store in NASA Square Dara, is already a familiar landmark. It was established in 1988. We spoke with Chief Operating Officer Ashish Panjabi on how Jackie's electronics has merged into Jackie's business solutions for a behind the scenes look into the small changes that are incrementally building UAE capacity in additive manufacturing. Today, we're talking with Ashish Panjabi from Jackie's Business Solutions on 3D printing in the UAE. Ashish, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, John, great to be here. So could you tell us a little bit about the history of Jackie's Business Solutions, how you got started and the kind of um, technologies and services you're offering today?
1: Sure. So Jackie's is is not a new company. We actually turned 50 in July of this year. Uh, We started in 1970 as a company based out of Hong Kong, uh, primarily as a mail-order company. And we set up in Dubai in 1985 with our second mail-order hub. Uh, And and we've grown from there. Uh, We aren't in the mail-order business anymore. And we're probably best known in the the UE as an electronics retailer. But Jackie's Business Solutions actually got its uh, origins about six years ago. Um, And not because it was a new business for us, it was because we had a number of businesses within the group that were split across various different group companies. And we sort of consolidated all of them into one company called Jackie's Business Solutions that we created six years ago. Uh, So within Jackie's Business Solutions, we are uh, in the business of selling 3D printing equipment a large printing equipment for a number of brands, uh, it, primarily in the graphic space, uh, as well as some finishing solutions, uh, cutting products and things of that type. And then we have another side of the business where we're selling robotics, uh, humanoid robots. So we work with SoftBank Robotics, Temi, uh, Double Robotics, and a few other brands. Um, and then we have another part of the business which sells queuing systems, where literally it's, it's one of those things where you go into a government, bank, a hospital, you pull a ticket, get a bank and get served to a counter. Uh, but apart from just that, it's, it's all the data that goes behind all of that um, and the feedback that we provide.
0: That's an interesting company trajectory. So how did Jackies go from kind of mail order in Hong Kong to a consumer outlet in the UAE to now working on these more sophisticated business solutions such as robotics and 3D printing and ticketing services?
1: Well, I, I think a lot of it just happens with uh, evolution. Um, I, I don't think anyone is doing the same thing they were doing 50 years ago, if they were around 50 years ago. And and I think this is this is a natural evolution that happened. Um, Hong Kong is a fairly entrepreneurial city, and, and and so was Dubai in 1985 when we set up. And, and that was when uh, we started as a mail-order company. And in 1988, we had the inventory kept in the warehouse, and we had... Uh, In the same building where our office was, a store that got vacated downstairs and the landlord said, do you want to take it? Uh, And that was in Al Nasser Square in Dera. And we set up there in 1988 and we still have the store running today. And it was a question of if we have the goods in the warehouse, put it in the store and get some cash flow out of it. And that was our entry to retail. Um, It wasn't planned. It wasn't strategic. It was one of those things that happened and we sort of took it from there. Um, and then we started working with a number of brands and we were doing things in the office equipment space and the appliances space uh, with, with a number of brands. And a lot of what came in with, with the graphics businesses with the large format 3D uh, were actually, when we had uh, different people get into the business, so I, I was one of them that came in and, and we're a family owned business and sort of every half generation, uh, we have someone come in just because of the age gap of, of the family members. Uh, so I was sort of generation 2.5 when I entered the business, and uh, my my background was working in a company um, in Hong Kong that was actually selling a lot of this equipment uh, in, in those days. And I was in a company that was an angel investor in a 3D printing startup, um, which we went on to represent about 10 years later uh, in, in the UAE. Um, and it, 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 it all sort of came from there, because we then looked at the opportunities, and uh when we got into 3d printing we started that about 2012. uh the uae was not a natural market for 3d printing uh, supplies uh the big thing we saw was where were 3d printers selling in other parts of the world they were going into manufacturing they were going into where people needed prototyping uh where there was a lot of design work happening where there was an automotive sector a defense sector and we just didn't have any of that in our region, so we we looked at it and said, so how do we create a market? And and we then identified a few segments early on uh, that were there, and the biggest of them was education, and and that's actually what we sat and focused on, and what's our primary market even today, um, and and yeah, we've we've seen it develop from there
0: onwards. So fast forwarding to today, you've said you know one of the key opportunities was was education, but what, you know, what are the, uh, the reasons for um, the buzz around 3D printing here in the UAE? Um, why do you think education is important with this technology? And how do you think the technology, particularly the services you guys are providing, what are the use cases for that? What are, what are the, the, the kind of examples of people using the 3D printers you have at Jackie's here in the UAE?
1: So, when it, when it started, I think a lot of it, we were selling it to universities and we were selling it to research universities and we were selling it to universities that were starting to adopt a STEM curriculum. STEM is science, technology, engineering, maths. And there was a lot more focus on that. Because if you looked at universities in the region um, years ago, you essentially had two types of universities. You had the university that prepared you for government, uh, for a civil service job. And they had the other university that prepared you to get an MBA, uh, a business degree. And, and and that was it. And I think with the focus in the UAE changing over the years, um, the government was fairly proactive in terms of trying to promote other curriculums and, and 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 look at what else they could do because they realized they cannot take everyone into government and give them jobs. Um, that, that wasn't going to happen. And there's only so many MBAs the market can have and you need to have universities that start to develop other curriculums and, and other specialities. And we saw that primarily with a lot of the government-run universities. So um, American University in Sharjah was an excellent example, uh, Khalifa University in Abu Dhabi, uh, Mazar University when before that that got merged into Khalifa, uh, the Petroleum Institute, and, and, and these were sort of the people as well as you had in Saudi Arabia, uh, Kaust, the King Abdulaziz University over there as well. And, and and you saw a lot of things start to develop from there where a lot of universities started investing in 3D printing equipment. And that is when 3D printers itself were quite expensive. Um, so the cheapest 3D printer we had was about $35,000 at that time. And what they were buying was was that plus the equipment that was going at $100,000, $150,000, $200,000. So we were talking a big ticket and, and and not something that anyone could buy. Um, and, and the reason they they, they, they they looked at it is we also started to see the landscape change in the UAE uh, as, as well as the rest of the region where the focus went from looking at what we're doing and saying we are an economy that's based on consuming, uh, that's based on importing, that's based on getting in the knowledge uh, but we actually weren't producing, we weren't creating, we weren't designing, we weren't innovating. And I think a lot of that focus started to change. And, and uh, as we get into situations now, when we look at uh, COVID, for example, and you start to see uh, Khalifa University um, saying, we're designing a mask uh, that, that's, that's uh, recyclable um, and, 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 and that's good for a one-time use, or you're starting to see everyone design their own face shields, you start to see the result of what's happening um, from that end. And again, I think that the one thing that that I saw and and uh, a classic example was, we started working with the Dubai Future Foundation fairly early on. And, and, and we supplied a lot of the 3D printers that went into the DFF uh, when they first started. And I remember talking to one of the procurement people over there and he was fairly young. He was in his mid twenties and he was an engineering graduate. And he used was talking about 3D printers. And we were discussing the supply of 3D printers over there at the time. And then he sort of asked me at one stage, he goes, listen, I've been asked to speak to you for 3D printers, but I actually don't know about the technology and I'm an engineering graduate. I said, when did you graduate? He goes, five years ago. So the whole concept of 3D printing didn't even exist when he was at university five years earlier. And you sort of saw where suddenly um, the whole way of doing something changed uh, with with a piece of technology like this, and from then on, we've seen this technology move where it's gotten cheaper, it's gotten faster. We've seen more materials, and we've seen it move from universities into the K twelve education segment today, where in, in secondary schools as well as some primary schools, you start to see it being used.
0: That's a thank you for that summary. That's a great example of the education and higher education system incubating technology change here in the country. And that's not something that we've probably spoken enough about um, on the podcast to date, because obviously, you know, in the States, universities played a historic role in incubating. You were talking about COVID-19. So Dubai has also been trying ways to 3D print metro spare parts. And as you said, you know, importing them is extremely expensive, but if you can create them, design and, and build them locally, um, it saves a lot of time, and it saves a lot of cost. So, Ashish, in terms of the 3D printers you guys are using here in the UAE, I've got some names. I've got the MakerBot 3D printer, um, I've got the Big Rep 1, um, and they're the various sizes. Um, some of them are massive and look quite daunting, and some of them, uh, I think, as you alluded to, are a lot smaller. Um, and probably uh, you know a lot more accessible to consumers than they were you know five, ten, twenty years ago, so what kind of 3 d printing services um, is jackie's offering access to now is it is it really for for universities and governments and corporate customers, or is there a consumer level to this now as well
1: yeah, so I mean that's an interesting one, so the the the, the, the vision that a lot of the media were, were portraying a couple of years ago was there's going to be a 3D printer in every house. And uh, this is where brands like MakerBot, which, which was sort of at the, at the forefront of, of uh, the entry-level uh, 3D printers, uh, were thrust into the spotlight. And, and we worked quite closely with them uh, during that period. Uh, we did try selling it through the consumer channels. We did try selling it through our own outlets. We were ha- having it at Jitek Shopper, but we were selling it essentially to enthusiasts. Um, and it, it it is not something that's going to go much beyond that at this stage. Um, for the fact is, it's not really a consumer product. Uh, for a consumer to use it, they need to be highly skilled, highly knowledgeable, because it's not just about printing. It's also about what do you do with the stuff that you print? Uh, there is a finishing element to it. There is, uh, at times, an assembly element to it. There is also the the idea of getting the 3D image and, and, and trying to design that, um, which, although there are tools that, that make it easier, it isn't something that, that you can do off the shelf. Um, so you could print a widget or two. You could print a toothbrush holder for yourself, a, a keychain. And then after that, you say, what next? Um, so at, at the consumer level, we aren't quite there. And, and there's a lot of things that go into when we talk about 3D printing and even what you said about the Metro example. Um, the idea is that we could disrupt logistics, we could disrupt supply chains with 3D printing, but there is also a lot of IP involved in, in what's being designed today. Um, so if I had a BMW car and if I had a part that I needed to be replaced in, in a BMW car, now is it a question that I could print it myself and download it, but wait a second, BMW owns the designs for that part, and wouldn't they want something for it? And is there something like an app store that that they they could get the revenue from it if I were to print it myself? But then I'm putting it in a car, and then there's health and safety uh, and and performance issues that you need to consider. So we aren't quite there. Um, What we're going to see, though, is... Uh, a BMW dealer in, in a certain country who could probably 3D print it and, and certify it and, and make sure that it is done to that standard. And they don't need to invest in a massive warehouse and write off 50% of the stocks that they import as spare parts because they never get consumed or keep someone waiting for six months uh, for a part for a car that was 15 years old uh, because they could just produce that on demand. So that's probably what we're going to see first um, at this stage. Uh, the other area where where we start to see 3d printing come in is into things like personalization um, and and what we're starting to see is is growing acceptance of people designing and creating things and then saying, "Can I print this uh, for myself and and have someone do it for me and and, and this is what we're started to see um, the other big thing is is with now a lot of kids starting to use 3d printers um, uh, they're going through the school system, whether at secondary, whether at university level, and they're coming to the workplace and now saying, how can I use a 3D printer at work? And and the example I, I typically use is, I think about the personal computer industry about 30 years ago. And most kids got to use their first PC 30 years ago in school. And there was uh, a couple of computers in the school Then it went to where there was a lab where there were 30 computers in a class to go in and use the lab uh, by turns to the stage where everyone had one in the school. And by the time they were in the workplace, everyone was using a computer. And 3D printing is sort of going in that way as well, where it is starting to get adopted a lot more. Um, A lot of the schools you supply to today at at the secondary level, especially have maybe two, three, four 3D printers in the school. That isn't enough. Um, They aren't going to do anything with that. It's 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 once you get into a lab and you've got about 30 of them in there that they can actually start using it. And then we start to see things develop from there. Um and then when they when when these kids uh and, and this is why I was quite excited with the education sector, is is when they come out and they're in the workplace, they will use this knowledge and they will start to do something with it. And they will start to create and they will start to produce, and then we start to see us. Moved from being in, uh, an economy that was importing and in, 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 in consuming into one that produces and that exports actually knowledge in that way.
0: What about software then? Because, you know, to use these 3D printers, I've got some friends um, in, in design. and I've got some friends who've been experimenting with 3D printing on their Instagrams and social media feeds for a couple of years now. Um, And a lot of them happened to be designers. So they had good software skills. They understood how to use, you know, programs like CAD and design things in 3D. And it did seem to be, I mean, it it looked to be a very exciting process. It's something that, you know, everyone can understand. And and I would have loved to have, you know, 3D printer for Lego or whatever as a kid. but, yeah, using the software elements of it and, and really understanding how the technology can be incorporated into other things like architecture um, or, or other kind of products, actually that's quite tough um, so So what about entrepreneurs? I mean, what is being done in the UAE to kind of figure out those things is the what kind of institutions or organizations are there outside of the education system? to kind of assist entrepreneurs with a, having access to this technology, right? Because if I'm an architect and I think I can, you know, create a ceiling or a floor using a 3D printer, then presumably I need access to, to much more advanced, large machines than I could ordinarily get access to. Um, and then what about, you know, again, you know, entrepreneurs that just have a very cute idea, maybe they have one application for 3D printing. But it's a very well-positioned application that could, you know, as you said, produce face masks at a
1: tenth of the cost. With architecture, uh, this was actually one of the first segments we identified in 2012, and we thought this was going to be a great opportunity for us. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of construction, there's a lot of building, and and, and we saw the 3D models being, being produced everywhere, and we thought... Great, we'll attack that market. And we worked with Autodesk and we did a couple of Autodesk universities and we were working with their partners and, and, and at their events and we got nothing. Um, and, 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 the, and the main thing we realized was they were using 3D software, uh, they were using 3D Autodesk, but designing for 3D and printing in 3D is quite different um, because when you, when you design something in 3D on a screen, um, it's meant to look one way and uh, when, you, when you design it to print, uh, you need to then think about uh, gravity suddenly and, and all the structures that need to be in place to make sure that that design can actually stand after you print it. Um, and, and and we found that if you went and took the average AutoCAD file uh, that was designed uh, and you had to print it, you had to make about 200, 250 adjustments to that file in order to print it. And that's something that just most, people, most designers didn't have that uh, uh, insight with them in terms of looking into that when they were designing a file um, to think about how it would be printed. Uh, so so that that was a barrier and that's held back that part of the industry. Um, from from the software side, we have seen a lot of things happen with companies like SolidWorks and, and, and uh, others, uh, Adobe been on there. And at, at, at the school level, you've seen them start to put apps onto the iPad and, and, and try and do that and, and try and make it easier. Um, you do have uh, lots of uh, sites as well, uh, like Thingiverse, that uh, allows you to download 3D printed files um, that other people have done. And, and, and these are open source, and you can take them, and you can start uh, to print them at your end. Uh, but yeah. The, so, so, getting people to design in three D was was one of the challenges. Again, where which is why education is, is is quite important because that's where they learn to use a lot of these mm-hmm. softwares, mm-hmm. Um, and that's also where we're going to see the the applications I think develop um, as we go on. Um, but the other part that you mentioned about them in the workplace. Um, so what, what we have at the moment, essentially, is a lot of people have got access to 3D printers um, in, in two places. One is at a lot of the labs that have come up over here. Um, so I, like I mentioned, the Y Future Foundation, um, you can go to places like in 5 et cetera. And, and a lot of them have now got 3D printers over there. Um, so a lot of startups have got uh, the ability to go there and, and start to use them. Um, and, and the other thing that, that we've seen emerge is the uh, concept of the, uh, the Service Bureau for 3D printers. Um, so there are a few that are there in the UAE right now. And, and the Service Bureau, if you, if you think about it, is, is like your Kikos, it's like a copy shop uh, where you would typically go back in the past uh, to get things produced en masse when you had to get things printed uh, in volumes or when you had to get things printed in, in a particular way and bound and in, in, in all of that. So you do have service bureaus that, that, that are starting to emerge um, where you can take a lot of this and, and get it done over there. Um, the other thing otherwise is you've got the internet and, and there are various platforms on, online where uh, you have got uh, services that, that will help you that, that work as aggregators. Um, and they will take a file and they will direct you to someone in, in a particular part of the world I could print a file and, and, and send it to you. Um, so it may not be someone in the U.E. it could be someone in Sweden who prints that file and, and sends it back to you. Um, but obviously having someone closer is, is, is better because if you want to keep making changes and if you want to keep iterating on a design, um, it's easier when it's, when it's nearby. That is kind of fascinating, isn't it? The idea, because
0: you know, manufacturing was always so physical. Um, you know, you'd be there with, with your welder or your machines and you'd be, you know, cutting the steel or whatever in the Industrial Revolution. And now this idea that you'd have teams of, of kind of um, software experts or people who know how to use these 3D software packages, sharing files and open source and adapting them according to what they want to build is kind of fascinating. And it's not something that you think of when you think of 3D printing. You often think of the end product or the glitzy machine um, but actually, behind the machine and behind the end product there 's this kind of community of software developers who know how to use um, or who know how to manipulate the designs and, as you alluded to, kind of optimize them for 3d printing um, and yeah, I mean that 's not something I think that, that gets talked about enough. Um, I had some experience of using CAD in the u k when i was when I was a teenager, and that was strange for me because I was an arts graduate. Um, and I, I was kind of fascinated about how a cat, a cat drawing um, would then be translated into, you know, these massive structures. Um, but, but the idea now, you know, that's happening on a, on a totally different scale uh, in 3D. Um, it, does, it does make you think. Um, now, I was, I was reading a little bit into this because apparently it, there's a new process of manufacturing uh, on the corporate level. Um, called additive manufacturing, the creation of 3D printed objects using an additive process, which is is powered by 3D printing. And it says the the idea of additive uh, process manufacturing is laying down successive layers of material until the entire object is created. Each of these layers can be seen as thinly sliced horizontal cross section of the eventual object. Now, I know that large corporations, some of the largest, such as GE Energy, Defense sector organizations um, and you know, organizations in, in transport and construction are all looking at these new manufacturing techniques using 3D printers. What's, what's, what is the time, timeline on these kind of processes? How near are they to being incorporated into um, you know, factories in the UAE and, and even around the world, actually?
1: So we we already have that, and 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 3D printing and additive manufacturing are are one and the same thing uh, essentially. Um, uh, so so you have additive manufacturing where you print layer by layer, and you've got subtractive manufacturing, which is what you would typically be using a CNC machine uh, for, or or a router, or anything of that, where you would have a block and you would take away the layers uh, to get the finished product. And here you do it the other way, where you build the layers one by one. Um, and, and and I think we're at a stage where the two of them are actually working together. You can't do everything with just additive manufacturing. Um, the the thing to think about with additive manufacturing today and, and 3D printing in general is you've got various things you need to think of. You've got different types of materials. Um, you've got different types of uh, strengths of the materials. You have to adapt to different environments and temperatures. Um, they need to be... In some cases, water resistant. They need to be. In some cases, heat resistant. Um, in some cases, they need to be flexible. In some cases, they need to be rigid. And 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 trying to get the material science behind it in place um, is, is 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 still where most of the work is. Uh, quite honestly, at this stage, um, and and three D printing isn't a fast technology. It's it's it's, it's something that's slower. Um, it takes a lot more time to produce. And and I think this is this is where we're seeing it evolve and, and adapt now where we've seen 3d printers using in manufacturing at times is not maybe in in the finished product but in designing the mold that that the product goes into and um, in, in, in designing the mold uh, for that or where there is a customized product or there's a smaller there's, there's a smaller scale uh, production uh, that happens and, and and it doesn't make sense to go the analog way of doing it and if we talk about the UE in particular I, What's what's exciting over here uh, when you when you compare it with Europe and the US and in other markets is those have been manufacturing economies that have worked a certain way, and you've had people who've had skill sets that have gone down from generation to generation, and they've been told this is the way you produce this this particular widget. When we look at the Gulf and we look at the UAE, we're starting on a blank sheet of paper uh, because we've never had the legacy over here to hold us back. And we're designing and we're building uh, whatever we've done on the manufacturing side with the technology that's available today. And we're starting to design and create using 3D printing, using subtractive manufacturing, and, and, and using the best of both. Uh, with a young population um, that's coming through the university system, uh, if you look at any of the countries in the region, we're talking 50% are below the age of 25. Uh, so there is a young population that is coming in. Uh, that has got the willingness and the interest to learn how to use this technology. And they've now been given the canvas and said, how do you produce this part if you had to produce it today? Not how was it done earlier and and, and how was the legacy there? And yes, we are talking about a lot of corporates adopting it, but they've had to do massive, massive change uh, to make that happen. And, and the adoption for them is going to be far slower than it is for someone that's starting over here. Um, So one of the classic examples, if we look at in in the UAE, for example, is uh, there is a company called Strata, which is based in Abu Dhabi, which produces components for Airbus and Boeing. Um, Now, they're using the technology of today because most of their graduates came out of the universities in the last couple of years over here. And these people are now producing, uh, using 3D printers and, and, and other such technologies and designing and contract manufacturing for Airbus and Boeing. Um, that gives us a lot more advantage. Now, I, I think about that person who's working in a strata today, and, 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 and the figures you see is, is, is a lot of them are Emirati, a lot of them are women as well. Um, so you, you've got now suddenly a lot more democratization in terms of access uh, to, to uh, these technologies to a lot more people that would traditionally be. In that segment, and that graduate who's been at Strata for five years decides to leave Strata and do something else. Now she's probably going to do something else with that knowledge, and 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 that's actually what excites me because that's what we're going to start to see uh, going forward. And I think this is this is actually where we start to see the UE put its 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 uh, foot in the, in the ground and say, this is what we've done.
0: Well, thanks for that market analysis and, and what you described there in terms of speed, the speed of 3D printing actually at times being, being quite slow and then the speed of the historical process. So that idea of leapfrogging a stage of development in the manufacturing cycle to kind of innovate countries that have, that have had manufacturing for, for uh, over 100 years um, but almost have to relearn everything they've learned and that creating new opportunities. Um, for, you know, new kinds of graduates, for women, um, and for, it looks like, um, you know, emerging tech companies in in Abu Dhabi. That's a really exciting future. Um, I have read that um, the focus on 3D printing technologies, uh, a a directive was passed with the idea of making 25% of all construction in Dubai, uh, 3D printed by 2030. Um, But, I suppose to finish, one of the things I wanted to ask you was was for your insights on on what do you think the next stage for three D printing is in the UAE, or what are the most exciting near horizon opportunities?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I I think the UAE is in quite visionary that way, and 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 and. Even back in 2012, um, I was engaged with the Prime Minister's office and, and, and we had something called the 3D PIA, 3D Printing Innovation Alliance, that we unofficially created back then uh, to talk about what to do with 3D printing in the country. Um, so so some of what's come out um, as, as announcements has been early work that happened back then. Um, why a number of individuals that, that could foresee what was happening. And, and, and these are the same people that have looked at other technologies such as AI, robotics, blockchain, and looked at where all of these things fit in. Now, I, I look at it from a, a lens of saying, you've got to think about all of these things together, um, not 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 in isolation, um, because none of these technologies grow in, in, in isolation. and 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 when you start to look at all the emerging tech that's coming in and you start to put them together, you start to say, where can it start to to evolve and, and, and move forward? Um, today, when they talk about uh, 25% of, of construction by 2030, it doesn't only mean the concrete. Um, the concrete is, is, is probably where a lot of people think is, is, is you print in, in, in 3D on concrete. Um, but there's, there's a lot of challenges to that, because again, if you're printing layer by layer and you have any sort of seismic activity, uh, you just need one layer to get unstuck, and then you see a building uh, collapse. But what you can start to do is is a lot of the mold that you pour the concrete into can be 3D printed, and using that, so you can then look at customized uh, designs of buildings, or you look at different structures, um, and you start to look at uh, all, all all the services inside a building, um, and and the, the thousands and thousands of things that go inside a building when you when you when you're doing it. Is where does three D printing fit into all of that? And and by asking the question, um, you, you you start to challenge the people that design these things. So I know with the three D printed office when that came up in front of uh, the Emirates Towers a couple of years ago. Um, that was something that that is it's it's not a very large building, but it made a lot of people who had various roles in it, whether it be the air conditioning, whether it be the MEP, whether it be the people that were putting the cement together, look at it and say, how can we do this now using 3D printing technology? And you start to to ask questions and you start to innovate that way. And I think as a result of that, you say, well, I've used it for this application. I could use it somewhere else as well now and, and use the same knowledge there. And and I think this is this is what we're going to start to see is people thinking in that direction and people thinking in that way. Um, and 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 honestly, it's exciting. It's 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 extremely exciting. And and I remember I was at a conference many years ago, and, and this is a quote I've used quite often. Um, there was a girl who was who was a fashion designer um, who put her hand up uh, during a panel discussion and said, "I want." to design something and sell it in the sh- in a shop locally, but no one here is going to keep it. Um, but Giorgio Armani was Giorgio Armani in Italy before he was Giorgio Armani to the rest of the world. And the, the moderator of the panel turned around to the, to, to the retailers at that time and said, who would like to keep this lady's uh, fashion in, in their stores? And, and one or two of them had to put their hands up because they were on the spot in front of an audience. And I think about it now and I say, How many people of that type will we have over here where they become names in our country uh, before they become names for the rest of the world? And I think that's that's where I honestly see uh, the UAE going and and, and the vision of the country going. Um, And we've been challenged by government to do that. Um, When when I speak to people in other parts of the world, uh, they complain that the education sector doesn't get the investment for 3D printing because the budgets don't exist. Over here, the budgets are there. Uh, they have been given the budgets to invest, whether private or the public, um, and I think this this is this is what I see in in most parts of the world. It's private sector leading and the government lagging. And over here, we've seen the government lead and the private sector is lagging, but we're struggling to keep up with, with what the government tells us um, because they've got such a vision ahead of them. And and I think uh, without that, we wouldn't see half of what we're seeing happen at this moment in the region. Well, thanks for
0: that analysis. Yeah, I mean, the, in the last episode, that was kind of a key theme, the idea of the, the center of innovation gravity or the centrifugal forces of innovation being pushed out from government um, to the same extent, if not to a larger extent, than from the private sector. Um, and for those listening, the Dubai Future Foundation office, I think it is, opposite DIFC, right? Yeah, the 3D printed office. Yeah, it's 3D printed. It's, it's a yeah, very yeah. well-known, iconic image. Um, we will try and get a, a picture of it uh, in, in the article um, when, when we published it. That wasn't done by Jackie's Business Solutions, although I believe there was, there was some kind of um, role there in terms of so, consulting. S-
1: so, so what we did was was uh, there is there is uh, sh- the hand which is outside the office uh, with yeah, Sheikh it. Mohammed's victory right. Everyone takes that a, would... an Instagram shot there. Yeah. So we we we, we that that was designed by us. Oh, uh, we three D scanned the hand and and we got that produced
0: uh, for well, well, we we will get a picture of the hand uh, in the episode when we published it then on uh, on the website. Um, but yeah, and and just finally, I think that point you made about. There are different technologies involved here you know how will these technologies come together 3d printing ai um you know internet of things devices in roads and across the city is really one of the big questions for the future and and, you know everyone is working on these individual technologies but how entrepreneurs um, build them into their fashion line or how they connect and merge some of these emerging new systems, I think, you know, as you said, that will be where the future is. Um, So Ashish, thank you so much for joining us today um, for some really interesting insights into um, some of the opportunities, challenges, um, and perhaps future trends of 3D printing in the
1: UAE. Thank you, John. Pleasure being here.